Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Karis Chen's journey to Cedarville University is a life lesson in perseverance. Karis faced obstacles of many kinds that kept her from attending Cedarville University, but her determination was rewarded this year when she was able to come all the way from Malaysia to Cedarville. Enjoy this heartwarming conversation. Thank you, Sarah, and hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today's program is going to focus on perseverance and not giving up hope when things do not look promising. And I'm going to have this conversation with Karis Chen, a rising junior at Cedarville University who is majoring in psychology. Karis is from Malaysia, and her journey to Cedarville took several twists and turns until she was finally able to come to Ohio and study on campus with her fellow students. And that's an important element in her story because of COVID-19. We will get into this story later in the podcast, but for now, let me welcome Karis Chen to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to have you in studio. Welcome. Thank you, Mr. Weinstein. For starters, geography. So mm-hmm. I don't know much about Malaysia. Mm-hmm. I probably know where it is, but I, don't, I really don't know much about it. How would you define Malaysia and, and compare it to where we are in Ohio or the Midwest? It is definitely a much smaller country. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, most of Malaysia is on the tip of the continent. It's a peninsula. Okay. Um, let's see how I can explain this. So you have the big continent that China's on. And if you go all the way to the bottom, we're right at the tip. Okay. And then we have um, Eastern Malaysia as well. And that's off the mainland. Okay. So what's the weather like compared to Ohio weather? It's a tropical country, so a lot warmer, a lot more humid. So how were you able to adjust to the weather uh, come November, December, January, and February? It's pretty cold here at that time. Um, So when I came in August, I was very cold. Oh, you were cold in August? I was cold in August. So I started wearing probably three or four layers. Um, And the longer I was here, I tried to keep my layers down so that I would get used to the cold. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, moving around, wearing layers, drinking warm water. Okay. Yeah. I, I know people who do that. And so have you been able to adjust to the cooler climate or is still I an would, adjustment? I would say I've adjusted a good bit. Um, like the weather outside today, yeah. I was able to call that warm. But when I first arrived, that would have been really cold to okay. me. Okay. And so for our listeners, we're recording mm-hmm. this uh, on March 30th, mm-hmm. and it's uh, sunny and mid-70s. So it's a beautiful mm-hmm. spring day here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like that tomorrow, I, mm-hmm. I, I've been told. But uh, So I, that makes me understand um, how you have adjusted. So uh, now that you, you're, you're, you're just completing your second year, the f- first year you did online, second mm-hmm. year you did on campus, and we'll get to that story later. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are your plans for the summer? I am probably going to try to find a place to stay near Cedarville. Okay. And I'm in the process of finding a job on campus. Oh, so you want to work on campus? Over the summer. Okay. Any kind of job you want to do or willing um, to do? Um, I currently work at Career Services. Career Services? Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to possibly do some of that over the summer. Um, I've also applied to the bookstore, advancement, and okay. I'm looking at a few other options as well. Okay. So um, what what uh, motivates you to want to stay on campus this summer and not go back to Malaysia? 
Um, well, as of now, with the with a couple different circumstances, but if I leave the country now, it wouldn't really be that easy for me to get back in. Okay. And it costs a lot to go home as well. Okay. Yeah. So by staying here this summer, mm-hmm. being here all school year, you have to miss your family. Mm-hmm. How do you stay in contact with them? We call each other at least once a week, sometimes more often. Okay. So as I mentioned in the introduction, you're studying psychology at Cedarville. I know you're only uh, a rising junior, so you mm-hmm. have two more years left. But mm-hmm. have you given it any thought on what you want to, how you want to use your education? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to practice psychology here in the States? Want to go back to Malaysia? Or what, what thoughts about uh, once you graduate, how will you use your education? I would love to use my education in a cross-cultural context okay. and in a way that would allow me to help people grow and develop. Ideally, I would stay in the U.S. for a couple years to gain experience, and then yeah. I want to go back to Malaysia and use those skills. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's admirable, and uh, I guess it's, it's, it's probably wise to want to stay in the United States to get that experience because once, as you said, once you leave, it's hard to get back. Mm-hmm. And it may even be more difficult at that point, two years, four years down the road. So mm-hmm. I understand that. And so let's pivot ever so slightly and talk about your journey to Cedarville because I mm-hmm. think it's a unique story uh, to some degree. Uh, you described Cedarville as your dream college and some information that I read about you. First of all, how did you hear about Cedarville University? I first heard about it as a child through Answers in Genesis. Mm-hmm. And I, at that point of time, it was just, oh, this school exists. I had no intention of coming to the U.S. for school. Um, fast forward a couple years, I was starting to seriously think about potentially studying in the U.S. Okay. Um, I wanted to study psychology. And with that, I knew I wanted to study psychology at a Christian school Okay. so that I would have the opportunity to you know, learn the same things, but have the freedom to discuss that from a biblical perspective with strong Christians. Right. Um, So that narrowed down my list a lot. And I began looking for schools that had a solid biblical foundation, but also had strong academics. I did a Google search, literally typed in Christian schools that teach six-day, Christian colleges that teach six-day creation. Um, Cedarville was one of those schools I looked through the websites of a, diff- of a few different schools and Cedarville stood out to me because I noticed that they had a good bit of information on their website for international students, which told me, okay, this school looks out for their international students. Right. Um, so that was probably the first draw. Mm-hmm. And the more I talked to different people at Cedarville, um, professors in the psychology department, international student services, admissions, Um, the more I was moved by how selfless these people were because Mm -hmm. of their love for God. Right. Yeah. They weren't looking to just recruit another student. They were looking for ways they could help someone serve the kingdom better. Yeah, I think that um, from my experience here for 12 years at Cedarville and then many other years at other Christian colleges and secular universities, I think that's one thing that sets Cedarville apart is uh, we're not necessarily interested in recruiting students for students' sake and mm-hmm. to, to grow our student population. Uh, I've heard it said many times that uh, 
to a prospective student, if, if Cedarville is not the right fit for you, mm-hmm. uh, great. We, we want you to be where the Lord wants you to, to be. And not mm-hmm. just, if Cedarville is not the place, then mm-hmm. go to where the Lord is calling you. And that's most important. And I, I see that same selflessness mm-hmm. in, in a lot of people that I work with here at Cedarville. So I'm glad that you uh, c- could visualize that, recognize that, and mm-hmm. articulate that. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. So your first year you studied online mm-hmm. um, because of some reasons you couldn't get to, the, to Cedarville campus. Mm-hmm. F- from your online experience and your on-campus experience now, how has Cedarville lived up to your expectations? I've definitely seen a lot of care in people. Mm-hmm. Um I've had the opportunity to have lots of good conversations with my classmates and my professors. And I would say probably one of the ways that Cedarville has most met my expectations was is probably the professor and student relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I was very attracted to Cedarville was also what I heard from other students about, hey, your professors are there too have discussions about not just what they teach, but also what they're interested in um, their lives. And so I've had the opportunity to, sometimes I email a professor and say, hey, um, I was reading this and I have this question. Would you be open to discussing it sometime? Or um, I'm thinking through something and I know that that professor has an interest in it. Mm -hmm. And so I walk up to them and ask them if they're willing to chat. And those have brought so many good conversations that make me think Mm. about how our life as christians just shapes up in different ways because of what we believe so when you came um this year Mm -hmm. you you weren't the only student from malaysia here correct Mm -hmm. so it was just is ernest toe the only other student from malaysia at the moment he's the only international student from malaysia there is a missionary kid who lived in Malaysia. Okay. Yeah. And the and the goal, at least in talking with Ernest, the mm-hmm. goal is to be more active and recruit more students from Malaysia, right? Mm-hmm. But so, the good news for that is uh, we have three new students from Malaysia coming this fall. Oh, great! Mm-hmm. So you'll have and and you know these people. We do, yeah. Okay. And I'm trying to recruit a fourth one right now. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's move on a little bit um, mm-hmm. in your story. So, as you were completing your high school courses, and I believe mm-hmm. you were homeschooled, mm-hmm. uh, the world was gripped with the coronavirus pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, which created more difficulty for you in your college pursuit. Mm-hmm. How did COVID-19 impact your college choice and studies here at the university? I couldn't get a visa to come. Okay. Um, finances were, became a bigger issue. Um, Cedarville allowed me to do online school, which made a big difference in the cost for my first year. Sure. And... Honestly, at that point of time, I was basically thinking Cedarville or nothing. Okay. So um, you were willing to have no education if you couldn't get to Cedarville? Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a bold statement. But it but, but also speaks to how much you believed in the Cedarville education, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I had kind of gone through the process with a couple other schools. Okay. And I was at a point where I saw differences that made me really want to commit to Cedarville. Okay. And I think with, with that in mind, one thought I have with regard to your previous question would definitely be affordability and scholarships. That's mm-hmm. probably 
the number one thing that turns students in Malaysia off when they hear about Cedarville. They're like, oh, there's this great school, but it costs so much. Right. I'm not even going to try to apply. Right. So a lot of the conversations that I have with students who are looking to study in the U.S. is really convincing them that, hey, Cedarville does care about the affordability of schooling and right. like you should just try to apply for scholarships. Right. Yeah. So when you, you just mentioned that uh, it was either Cedarville or you're willing not to do anything, did you ever lose hope that you wouldn't be able to attend Cedarville? Oh, yeah. What was that like? It seemed like God had opened so many doors mm -hmm. and he had shut so many doors that would have led me elsewhere. Okay. And I was like, God, this seems like where you're leading me. But now the doors seem to be closing and I don't really know what else to do. Mm -hmm. So I think the really the biggest thing that helped me hold on to hope there was the knowledge that God is a good God who holds the best of reality in his hands. Mm -hmm. And so even over the rest of my life before Cedarville, I've seen how he arranges things in... Mm -hmm ways I wouldn't have planned and they turned out great. Yeah. Um, so I, I know that wherever he puts me, he has a purpose for it. Right. And during, during pro the decision period, so the spring and summer leading up to what would have been my first semester at Cedarville, um, I started watching the chapel sessions online. Right. I started watching the chapel live streams I think the week before everyone got sent home. Okay. And so around that time, Dr. White started um, repeating this phrase every day in chapel, um, which is, God is faithful. You can trust, trust him. him. Mm -hmm. And so that that was a big part of what I held on to. Mm -hmm. And also just thinking a lot about, okay, what, what does God want me to learn where I am right now? Right. And one thing that a friend shared with me, Mm -hmm. was the idea that when we hold plans more loosely, we can hold him more tightly. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so just a lot of these reminders of who God is and yeah. the fact that he is good and I can trust him. Right. I want to take a break from my conversation on the podcast so I can tell you about Cedarville University's Transform Tour that is coming to a city near you. The Transform Tour would travel 10,000 miles over 26 days to achieve one goal, that being to proclaim the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're scheduled to be in 13 cities, including Grand Rapids, Michigan, Chicago, Denver, Houston, Tampa, and Washington, D.C., to name a few. To learn more about the Transform Tour, visit cedarville.edu slash transformtour. The event is free, but registration is required, so reserve your place today by visiting cedarville.edu slash transformtour. We are looking forward to seeing you during the Transform Tour. Now, here's the rest of today's Cedarville Stories podcast. What is the difference for you to, to be in the chapel with 4,000 classmates and professors mm -hmm. different than worshiping online? There's so much more community, yeah. for sure. You get a bright smile when you talk about this, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's an interesting experience having a laptop in your room at night singing. Right. And to a screen. To a screen. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's late at night for you because mm -hmm. it's 12 hours different. Yes. Right. So that, that was definitely an interesting experience. What was it like when you went to your first chapel 
here on campus this year. Um, did any emotions come out or any thoughts like, wow, this is really special or this is far better than uh, watching it on a, TV, a computer screen? Mm. I think it took me a while. When I first arrived on campus, I was kind of, you know, there were a lot of things to adjust to. Mm -hmm. So I probably didn't process a lot of things until later in the semester. Mm -hmm. But there was one point in the semester where I walked into chapel and I looked at everyone and I was like, wow, I'm here. And this is the community that I have dreamed of for years. Mm -hmm. And now I get to do this every day. Yeah. So obviously you're from Malaysia, mm -hmm. but spiritually speaking, academically speaking, personally, mm -hmm. does, Cedarville, does Cedarville feel like home to you? Yeah, I, I would say so. There are definitely parts that don't feel like home, mm -hmm. but something that I've also come to realize is that wherever we are, I don't think we're ever going to feel entirely at home. And that's a part of living in a broken world. So... Going back to when, you know, you were clinging to hope. Mm -hmm. um, God is faithful. You can trust him. That helped you. Mm -hmm. What what lessons were you able to learn through that period of maybe losing hope mm -hmm. that, the, that the Lord taught you that uh, you hang on to today? I remember one of the things I was thinking about in March of 2020 mm -hmm. was the question of when God tells us to wait, are we waiting for him or is he waiting for us? Um, and between that time and the time I came to the U.S., I definitely saw like there were things that God wanted me to learn before I came here. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I heard in chapel as well, um, Sam Albury, mm -hmm. he shared in one of his sermons, he said, God is big enough to be gentle and that really struck me mm. because i was thinking god might quote unquote break your dreams mm -hmm. but that's not who he is mm -hmm. he might give you things that seem really hard but his heart is gentle and he his sovereignty allows him to work things in your life that allow you to grow into things that sounds really vague um no, it's it's and it's pretty profound too, you know. We 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 need to we need to understand, mm -hmm. and it's hard to do, that our ways are not God's ways, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes it's hard, as me as an American, mm -hmm. that you know I can do this and I can do that. And I, mm -hmm. I don't need I don't need any other assistance. But mm -hmm. you know, I've had to learn to be patient. I've had mm -hmm. to learn that um, I, I, had to, I had to learn humility mm -hmm. um, because I at times I maybe thought I was better than I really am. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't acknowledge that really all that I am and what I've achieved or been a part of is all because of what the Lord has allowed in my life and mm -hmm. accomplished through me. So it's not about me. It's all about him. Mm -hmm. and that's something that I had to learn. So we all, we all face times in our life where we have to wrestle with situations that God is teaching us. Mm -hmm. And he was teaching you, like you said, he wanted you to learn some things before you came to mm -hmm. Cedarville. What what was one thing that he wanted you to learn before you came? I think he definitely wanted me to grow a deeper appreciation for my family and the wisdom that my parents have. Okay. I know when 
when I first started looking at Cedarville, like I, I wanted to go to college. I wanted to, you know, be independent and learn things on my own and live my own life. But over the extra year and a half that I stayed at home, I thought about, like I, I had more conversations with my parents. And by the time I left home, I had come to the point where I was like, I'm leaving a lot that I have come to treasure and want to hold on to. Mm. And it was just, it was bittersweet to see that change in mindset with, yeah, with regards to home in general. Yeah. One of the thoughts that came to mind a lot as I was leaving was, you know, and this could be wrong, I don't know, but mm -hmm. um, the way I think of it is that you know you're ready to leave when you don't feel ready to leave. Yeah, if that makes sense. It, it, it's speaking that your your total dependence is on the Lord. Yes, yeah, and I think often when we really want to leave, that's a sign that you're not ready, that you don't have the maturity mm -hmm. to do it well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I also, it, it's a red flag of pride in my in as mm -hmm. I see it. So yeah, yeah. that's a very good observation. I want to go dive into a little bit of your education mm -hmm. and compare the, the, the online classes that you had to what you've experienced here on campus. Um, mm -hmm. How were you able to manage the rigorous academic programs that we have at Cedarville mm -hmm. through the online format? Was it difficult? It was. And part of that was also due to the fact that I was basically in a different time zone. So I was sleeping very odd hours. And that definitely that probably made a big difference in how yeah. easy it was to handle. And part of it was, you know, you're in you're behind a glass screen. Right. You're not really able to ask your classmates, mm -hmm. hey, um, do you understand what he said? Right. Or how are you approaching this? You can't raise your hand. Well, you can you can raise your hand not to ask a question, not but in not way. in the same way. Yeah. Right. Um, and then sometimes professors have to leave the room ASAP after a class so that the next class can come in. So Correct. you can't really ask it there. Right. And sometimes questions don't feel big enough to write an email to a professor to ask them. And a lot of these things were things that I didn't realize made school online hard until I came here. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, those were hard things to do. Yeah. How did I manage? Yeah. So I had, I had very sweet classmates that I would text Sometimes there'd be tech issues. I couldn't hear the professor or mm -hmm. I couldn't see what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so I text a classmate and ask them, hey, can you ask the professor to try turning the mic on again? Mm -hmm. um, or I can't see the slides. Could you ask them to screen share? Right. I remember one class that was especially hard because it was a very discussion-based class. This was my first semester. Um, very discussion-based class. Lots of thinking involved. Um, the thing with the owl is that it's in right in front of the classroom and it doesn't necessarily pick up all the voices in class, especially right. if someone is more soft-spoken. Mm -hmm. And so in that class, I had to pay so much attention that I fell asleep oh trying boy. to pay attention. Well, what, what, what time of day was the class 
for you. This this class was a decent time. It was at 8.30 p.m. 8.30 p.m. for you. So it's an 8 a.m. class here, right? Yeah. Okay. Like I would crochet in that class while taking notes so that I would stay awake. <laughs> um, and then the next semester I had classes at, I think, 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. Oh, how would you? That would be hard to do a, have a 2 a.m. class. <laughs> but you'd have some like that. Yes, because, yeah. So that would... That would really mess up your, your sleep schedule and your whole system, right? Mm -hmm. So about a week before spring semester started, I started changing my sleep schedule. Mm -hmm. So from January to May, I slept usually in the afternoons. I would sleep in the afternoon, wake up in the evening, go for class. Okay. I was supposed to go back to bed in the morning. It usually did not happen. <laughs> One of the things that I realized was that People like to do group projects in the evenings. They do. So their evening is my morning. That's right. And so part of it was also, you know, I have a group project meeting at 8 a.m. So I work on that. And I'm the kind of person once I get into the groove of working, I don't realize how much time has gone by. Yeah. And so that was partially my fault. <laughs> but yeah, sleep schedule is... You know... You're bringing up topics and issues that we probably don't think about when we talk about online education. We, we, I think in our mind, we think the student is in the t same time zone and it's, it's maybe a convenience for that student. Mm -hmm. But for you, it really wasn't a convenience. It was a struggle, but you, you handled it well, it seems like, uh, from my perspective. So I want to talk about maybe a couple, couple more topics. And <laughs> we, 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 had, we talked about this early, maybe a little bit, but... Um, and that is adjusting to a new culture. So mm -hmm. how difficult was it to adjust to an American culture? So the cultural adjustment was, wasn't so much of a conscious adjustment. Something that I realized only this semester was that while things didn't seem too foreign to me on the surface, I was constantly paying attention and being on guard to a lot of things to try to notice all the new information and new ways of interaction that were around me. So culture shock didn't come in the sense of, oh my goodness, everything is so new. Everyone's doing things differently. What do I do? Mm -hmm. It came in the form of just constant exhaustion. Okay. Because I was paying attention to every single thing. Everything. So uh, Karis, uh, as we move toward really the end of the program, mm -hmm. uh, I've learned that um, from one of your professors here mm -hmm. at Cedarville, um, that you're working on a research project that's of great interest to me. Mm -hmm. In this project, you're talking with five students mm -hmm. who were in the class with Dr. Michael Furman literally on the day that he passed away. Um, what are you learning from this research project as you talk to these students? Well, one of the most meaningful things I've learned so far, it's not one thing, but... Sure. Um, First of all, it's so meaningful to learn more about my advisor. Um, Dr. Furman was my advisor. He was your advisor. He was my so advisor. So he advised you online then? Yes. Okay, so you so you did know him then? Kind of, a little bit, not a lot. Okay. I had probably a total of two hours of interaction with him. Okay. Yeah. You, can, you can learn a lot mm -hmm. in two hours from Dr. Michael Furman. Mm -hmm. But go ahead. Um. So yeah, one very meaningful thing has definitely been learning more about him. Um, we've also noticed how a lot of people responded to the grief by 
first of all, turning to other people who knew him mm-hmm. and how helpful they found it to be around, you know, family, Dr. Freeman's family, his friends, um, even though they might not know these people, but they found it a comfort. Um, and they, a lot of people found it helpful to learn more about him as well. Mm. So one of the things we're thinking about is um, how that plays into the grief process. Because mm-hmm. a lot of students, myself included, we wondered, you know, why am I grieving someone that I don't know that well or don't have such a close relationship with? Mm-hmm. Or it feels wrong to grieve in this way. But Dr. Furman was that kind of person that made you feel like you knew him. Right. And he was a very impactful person, Mm -hmm. very, very big heart and someone who loved the Lord a lot. And I think that leaves a very deep impression on people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we're thinking about how people resolve the cognitive dissonance of I am heartbroken, Mm -hmm. but why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. Um, People resolve that perhaps by learning more about him so that Mm -hmm. they can say, you know, this is the man I'm grieving. Okay. So what's the end goal with this research project? What do you hope comes from it? How are you going to use it? Right now we are working on a poster that for an abstract that was accepted to the International Congress of a Qualitative Inquiry. Okay. Um, so that's probably our first step right now. We're hoping to work on a paper for the project as well. And then... Will that organization do do something with just publish it or mm. how how can this how can this information be used to benefit others? We so we're still in the data collection phase right now. Okay. Um how much longer is that process? We're trying to finish it up within the next two weeks. Okay. So doing further data analysis will probably give us more direction with it. Okay. We're hoping to look at how what we learn can be applied to um, responding to grief and also in education. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of support can be provided to students? Was this your mm-hmm. idea to do this research project or how did it come to be? Um, we were talking about... Who, a, who's we? Okay, so Dr. Youngkin, okay. who's supervising the whole project. Okay. Professor Linnell. Mm-hmm. Betsy Linnell? Yes. Um, So the three of us were having a discussion about trying to design a project that also had to do with grief. And as we were discussing, Professor Linnell came up with the idea, hey, you know, this is something that's important and meaningful and something that we can learn more about. Mm -hmm. So we could look into this. Yeah, I'm glad you are. And uh, I I have great respect even to this day for Dr. Michael Furman and one, his just ability to do what he can do or what he did mm-hmm. do, um, but his soft heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think sometimes people didn't know him well enough to know that that was the case, mm-hmm. but he was a very kind uh, person. Mm-hmm. Uh, passed away way too early. Um, mm-hmm. So through this research, what's one or two things that you're learning from this, his students about Dr. Michael Furman that you may not have known? He talked a lot about how we don't have tomorrow promised to us. Right. So he lived in a way that where he, he lived in a way where he could say, you know, 
if I see my Savior today, I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to make every day count. So that was one thing. Another more lighthearted thing was probably just how he expressed himself. I have only seen him in a, a box s- on the camera. On a screen. On a screen. So I had people tell me about how he would stand on his tippy toes and, you know, move his hands around, use lots of hand gestures right. to communicate his ideas. And when he got really excited, he would use his hands even more. And that's something I didn't know. And I yeah. think it's so fun to learn about him. Yeah. Is it fair to say, even though you really didn't know him well, you maybe you had two hours of uh, counseling session or um, advising with him, mm-hmm. that even now he's had an impact in your life? Oh, yeah. He's actually one of the reasons why I'm studying psychology at Cedarville okay. indirectly. Mm-hmm. So my psychology teacher in high school was one of his students in the past. Okay. He was her grad school professor. Okay. And... She tells me that everything she learned about um, biblical integration in psychology came from Dr. Fermi. Yeah. And without that having been passed on to me, even the little bit that I learned from her, um, she was the one who showed me that psychology is a field you can enter with hope because of what the gospel gives us. You can't do psychology without the gospel. And so that's the reason why I was... I was willing to go into psychology mm-hmm. and also why I looked for a Christian school for psychology. Yeah. And I didn't know that they were connected until I wanted to come to Cedarville. Wow. But yeah. That's the Lord working mm-hmm. and, and directing your path and bringing people into your lives, mm-hmm. life uh, to guide you to where he wants you to be. Mm-hmm. That's a fabulous story, Karis. And mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed uh, our time together today on the podcast. I wish I had more time to talk to you and, and learn more. But I need to leave it there. And uh, just thanks for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's Cedarville Stories podcast. Please join us on the road at the Transform Tour this summer. We are coming to Milwaukee, San Diego, Tampa, Lancaster, and many more. Check out cedarville.edu forward slash transform tour to learn more. See you soon.